0: I'm Dorianne Wheel. Welcome to Thrive with Dr. D. Welcome to our final episode in 2020. I wonder what the name Thrive means to you in 2020. It's been a tough year. There have been a huge amount of challenges on every front. There have been losses. There have been uncertainties. We've gone through a time which we call global mourning. Loss of jobs and loss of predictability, particularly, and loss of lives in many cases, and certainly loss of money and loss of physical contact and loss of just the freedom to be able to sit with your family without worrying or physical contact, like that hug that you used to take for granted. And we just have had to battle in some cases to survive never mind to thrive to hold our heads above water and live well to face another day so we've managed to prevent the build up hopefully of post traumatic stress on this show and other shows we talk a lot about recognizing what you're feeling leaning into the emotion in order to tame it we have to name it understanding that some of these things that we've been feeling are predictable reactions to very traumatic situations. It doesn't always help when you're going through it at the time. You need to practice things like stopping, taking stop, re-examining your goals, not allowing your head to catastrophize. What if this? What if this? What if this? And those thoughts are often negative. Being present in a mindful way looking at the facts, staying in the moment, looking at yourself in terms of how you've managed to deal with adversity before, and you have, and you've come out of it, and you've built resilience in ways that you never felt possible. So we also hopefully are looking at not only the prevention of post-traumatic stress, which I think is going to be quite a byproduct When we come out of this pandemic, especially for those who just haven't really been able to seek support or practice some self compassion or learn how to deal with these myriad of feelings that just explode. So we will see some of it, but hopefully we're going to see something else. Hopefully we're going to see some post traumatic growth. We're going to look back and we're going to say, how can we? not let a good crisis go to waste? Are there lessons that we've learned from this? Have we done self-audits and looked at our priorities? When we realized that we weren't in control of absolutely everything, what did that stimulate in us? And what are the new awarenesses and indeed practices behaviorally that we want to carry with us? into 2021. So we want these lessons to not only be lessons from the past, of course, we want to hold them, sustain them and harness them to improve our present and certainly improve our future productively. So very often when I work with groups in particular, we start off if they interact with groups and we say, what have you lost? What have you learned? And if we focus on what have you learned, there are a few threads of similarity. I think quite profound wisdom, but actually also mainstream wisdom, because almost everybody is saying the same things. And so we want to talk about how do you engender post-traumatic growth? We've spoken before how you prevent post-traumatic stress. And can we, in fact, thrive better, become more of the human beings? that we have the potential to be individually, relationally, societally, and in fact, globally. So if we look at what do people say when we say, what have you gained? What have you learned? What have you gained? i tell you, one of the first things that people say is that there's been a priority shift. You know, when I've stopped, take stock, re-examine my goals. Where have I been? Where am I going? How do I want to spend my energy from now on? There's some answers that I've come to often without even thinking too much. And those answers were different to what I would have said possibly only even nine months ago. And guess what they're saying? you feeling it too. So, of course, you can guess what they're saying. Different priorities. And those priorities usually involve relationships. Very often the word gratitude comes into it, very often. What used to be important to me, maybe still, I'm not chucking it out of the window, I'm not saying it's not important at all, but I certainly know it's not a priority. When I look at what really is important at the end of the day, it's my relationships that have been sustaining me, and it's my relationships that I want to contribute energy to. It's my relationships that are engendering It's my interactions with partners, with children, close friends, with family that have been the kind of lifeblood. And if they haven't, it's that what I have really missed the most. So then when you say, if you've realized how important this is, if you understand the power of support and the fact that as human beings, we are wired for connection. How are you gonna translate that into action for 2021 going forward? So I'm gonna say to you, please can I see your diary for the first couple of weeks of next year? And I wanna know whether it looks very much like the same one that we had at the beginning of last year. Are you saying Monday, Wednesday and Friday, I need to make some time for these things that I've recognized are priority? Are you saying in any way, I can see the difference in me and my child who just thrives on the interaction that we have irrespective of the activity that we do. It's not about the content. It's about the contact. The fact that they really want to be with you doesn't really matter too much of what you're doing. And are you going to be able to take that lesson into the future 2021 and say Can, I'm, I'm determined to apply this not because it feels like an obligation or not because it feels like a task just because I need to and I want to and it's not only what fills up other people in my life what gives meaning to my life as well then comes the gratitude the gratitude part I mean people say Look, it's been tough. They often talk about the financial challenges, maybe being the most that they've lost and say, what have you lost? Besides predictability, I guess, certainty and predictability, which what we as humans need, you know, we we can't even really say what the future looks like. Sometimes people even say, I don't even know when the future is. What do you mean new normal? Such a Awful kind of resigning term. In other words, this is it, we've got to live with it. And you want to add, yes, but for now, not forever, for now. And if we could say it's the new normal, because we've got to adapt to what is for now and still have that optimism, which isn't positivity, by the way, it's different. Optimism, belief, belief in a better future, I think it would be better. That idea of new normal sometimes sounds that we have to resign ourselves to this and the difficulties that it has brought and is bringing forever which i believe absolutely is not true at all so when we talk about that kind of um, what have you lost people talk about the money and jobs and predictability but what they always say is you know um, there is a renewed sense of gratitude In fact, maybe gratitude for things that I didn't even have gratitude for. So, you know, when I talk like this, and I talk quite often, because there's also a mental health pandemic, not only a health pandemic. And I sometimes say, you know, I've lived in the same place very many years. In the middle of this pandemic, I called my son, and I said, Dean, is it just me or are the birds singing louder? He laughed at me. He said, Mark. I don't think the birds are singing louder. I think you're just quieter and you're listening to them differently. I had both my children with me during that time. And I said, do, you, do you something? And they said, what? I said, in South Africa and in Johannesburg, there is sun in winter. And they said, huh? And I said, you know, I never go outside in winter in the day unless it's because I've invited someone who usually is on a business meeting, just find your little patch of sun outside. In winter, I just found I'm just quite overwhelmed by things that I never either knew about or took for granted before. Mindful of the present, mindful of things like birds and the sun in winter and surroundings that were always there, but I never ever saw before. But the gratitude that people really talk about besides those new things and valuing those things, it's once again, we always come back to it. It's the valuing of people. I spoke to someone only yesterday who is the father of twins, and he said, you know, I I don't think that I could really father infants. I'm finding it better, he said, there's such a lot of joy. He said, my kids think that I'm fantastic at about four. I said, wow, you know, how does that mean? Make... He said, I just kind of fill up. My smile isn't big enough. Or they come running to me as if I'm the best thing in the world. So I said, but you are, you know, to them. And the recognition of the of what you can mean to someone else, your kids, has been very encouraging for people. And just the joy of saying, you know, they kind of been like a river. I mean, it's a river that flows always. If you miss that moment, you miss the moment. They on, they flow again. And before you know it, you turn around and reminds you of a client that I once had where the kid finished school. And he had the opportunity of applying for a scholarship internationally, and the father started freaking out, and he said, "Oh my son is much too young. I can't let him leave. you know he's oh not even 18 yet, and it's just So they just wanted to talk about it and bounce it off, and that's all, and let them hear each other's point of view. And that boy turned round to his father, and he said, "You know, you've always been my father, but now all of a sudden you want to be my dad." Really? Tell me about that. Where have you been in the last few years? I think I've been here. You know, hello. You know, welcome, my dad. It's nice to have you. Now you want to do some of that time, some of that sharing, some of the influencing, some of the fun. You know, that was possible and available to both of us all of the time. And now just at the brink where I feel ready to move on, You catching a wake-up call, catching a panic call was quite a powerful conversation. And maybe not as sort of poignant right now in terms of this gratitude, but people are recognizing the power of that, the joy of that, what they've been missing in terms of and being very, very grateful. Grateful for understanding, grateful for support, grateful for being offered to be able to offer something to other people. not taking anything for granted. Grateful for, I was gonna say being grateful for toilet paper, that never happened. That never happened, but just sort of slowing down the pace. I'm also finding that at this time, and I wonder if it will sustain going forward, is that there's definitely a different pace in that, I can tell you that people are starting their day a little bit later. Instead of the 8 o'clock, we always used to have 8 o'clock first appointment, even half past 7. It seems quite fine these days for people to say, you know what, we're going to start, I'll meet you at 9 and it's okay. You don't have to panic, and you don't have to rush. There are certain things that are out of the control and certain things that are in our control. And if we talk about another lesson, and. Post-traumatic growth part. What have we learned going forward to take with us? It's also that people have developed a balance between what is and what isn't in their control. Again, you know, working with different kind of groups, especially executive groups. At one point, they wouldn't mind saying things like, "Oh, if you don't like the circumstances, if the circumstances suck, just change them. That's all. You're in the driver's seat of your life." you in total control of your life. For goodness sake, make an effing difference sometimes, they would say. Yeah, now there's a new humility. I've realized that with some things you can and some things you can't, and that's a secret. What is under my control? What isn't? Is there another energy, universal energy? Does your religion come into this? Is it is it the Lord? is it fate you know we always said only five percent would happen is luck fate or circumstance if you take care of the 95 percent five percent will take care of care of itself and you can't always take care of the 95 percent and people with humility are seeing that there has to be a balance between what you can do and you pushing yourself sometimes to to the limit To be able to say, I will take a handle on this. I can control this. I know how to do it with compassion, with boundary, to myself. And this part of it, making this illness better, making it go away tomorrow, I have to deal with what I've got, is a level of acceptance. Sometimes you get that second stage. It's a second stage in the grief cycle of bargaining. So, Lord, I'll do a deal with you. Okay, Lord. You make my partner better, and I'll be the best wife that, you, that, uh, that ever lived, Walk this earth. You do this thing for me, and it's usually to do with someone that you love or something that you need. Please, please, please. And somehow it's quite interesting with this, this kind of recognition that it's not only up to me. And however you want to label the outside force, you know, you can call it whatever you want. One famous writer said, call it Louise if you like. doesn't matter. It's a recognition that not absolutely everything is your control, under your control. And people have shifted in that balance a lot, a lot. So certain people would say, you know, whatever happens to me is like or circumstance. If I go and play in the traffic, that's not my time to be run over by a bus, I won't be. It's just not a none of it is my in my hands. Other people have turned around and said all of it is in my hands. And I think both those extremes have caught a wake up call over this. It's not everything and it's not nothing. It's an evaluation of what is and what isn't doing what you can. And I tell you, this leads to another lesson, an important lesson I hope that you'll take with you. And that's a lesson of what resilience really means. Guys, if you're listening to this, you've got resilience. The fact that you get up in the morning, that you've gone through this, that you face faced the hardships, that you've developed your strengths, that you've looked at your resources, that you, maybe that's another one I was going to say, you've learned to ask for help. It's really that you are, I want to say, not only surviving, but also getting through it. In a way that might be the not be your definition of thriving being the best, but certainly the definition of more than coping, kind of coping well. So what do I say about learning about this resilience? Well, jeez, I didn't know I had the strength that I had. I didn't know that I had to be, I could be a teacher and a mother. I never put up my hand to be a school teacher. I hardly put up my hand to be a mom, and I'm that. And I think I was doing that quite well, but being a school teacher and a mother and a cook, you know, all in one day and working at the same time. Or, you know, geez, I didn't know that I'd be able to kind of sustain this job if I had to work from home. And take a look at me. I'm really not bad. I have. I found my little corner, and I'm proud of myself. And I'm also proud of myself because I could set down certain boundaries. I didn't have to pretend that it was all good all of the time. I recognized some of the difficulties and I've dealt with them. So finding and recognizing the strength that was always lived inside you, but certainly has been stretched and challenged now. And remembering that, guys, when you go into next year, Just look at yourself in the mirror and say, hey, girl, or hey, Prince Cool." I see you looking at me back in the mirror. You did okay. You know, you did good. You managed. You were compassionate. You were creative. You're still standing. And that strength that you mobilized to be creative and think through things differently is what you're also going to need to help you go forward with taking into account some growth and change and development. In other words, post-traumatic growth into the year. And I alluded to earlier, and I'm going to talk about maybe three more things quickly. The one thing that I alluded to earlier is being able to reach out and ask for help. If this has taught us anything, I hope that it's taught us that there's strength in vulnerability, that you're a member of the human race, that you can say that you don't have all the answers sometimes, that it's, it's not shameful at all, in fact, it's strong, to be able to act with authentic vulnerability for maximum connection. You can't have maximum connection without real vulnerability, and that requires courage, and it requires to you saying to yourself, This is who I am, I have huge amounts of strength and I know that vulnerability, as one wonderful writer Brené Brown says, may be to do with fear sometimes and to do with taking risks and to do with unpredictability of the outcome, putting yourself on the line or standing in the arena, she says but fear, but vulnerability is also the birthplace of joy, it's the birthplace of connection, it's the birthplace of creativity, birthplace of resolution. And in that wonderful speech that she often quotes, which was given in the early part of the century by Teddy Roosevelt, who spoke at the Sorbonne University. And he gave a speech which is now known as the man in the arena speech. And he says the main point of that man in the arena is he says it's not the critic that counts. The credit goes to the man who's actually in the arena. In other words, the one who's taking the risks. His face is marred by blood and sweat and dust. Who really, at worst, might not know the triumph of success. But if he fails, and I'm misquoting him, so don't say that I've quoted this directly. But the point is, guys. He says that if he fails, he fails daring greatly, daring greatly. So the value is trying. The value is doing your best. The value is saying, look, I will resolve that, that resentment that I've been carrying with me. I know how important it is for my own self, not for you, but for my own self to have clean space and to ask for forgiveness. I have to do some of this journey of reconciliation if I have to. I might not work. I might, as she often says, I might get my eyes kicked. But if I fail, I will fail daring greatly. Put myself out there. Take a chance. And the chances of success, I want to put myself out there and say they're much better than you think. Often people don't do it because of pride. And I'm here to tell you that too much pride causes too much pain. Always does. It's never more important to win than to be happy. It's always more important to be happy than to win. And if you need to be happy, there are many things within yourself and in your connections with other people. Sometimes it means change, which is risky. Sometimes it means always means self-awareness. Always. Sometimes it means taking a risk, and sometimes it means trying something differently where you could get your eyes kicked, but you won't know unless you ask. And often it means, you know, no is only the beginning of the conversation. If you don't do it, the answer is always no. So it's being a little bit risky. It's being a little bit cheeky. It's being fighting for yourself, being the best that you can be. It's fighting for clean space between you and you and between you and other people. And that's another very big lesson. And The last two things I want to say, practice self-compassion. You know about putting your own oxygen mask on first? If you've ever been in a plane, like a hundred years ago, and you ever flew, you heard them say to you, you need to, if the oxygen masks get released, whatever they say, so long ago, I don't even remember, please put on your own oxygen mask first or you look after the needs of children and other people. It means you can't sustain other people, unless you look after yourself. So cut yourself some slack, guys. You know, look after your children's mother, or your wife's husband, or your employee's employee. Look, what I'm saying is by looking after yourself, you are inadvertently also taking care of other people. Not that that's the most central, most central is all to value yourself enough to say you know what I give is useful, can't give love if I don't get love and sometimes that love starts from you and so it's yeah I need some time out, would you help with the dishes today? I know it's not really my job but I honestly would appreciate it or just sometimes thinking Can't always do it. We do also have to think of other people, or we want to think of other people. We are nurturers and we caregivers and we have senses of responsibility. But if you don't practice kindness management, I promise you, you'll get crisis management. Build up and build up. You'll get all the symptoms psychosomatic symptoms, lower backache, migraine headaches, appetite problems, sleep disturbances, irritability exploding unnecessarily, out of proportion to the situation you're in. But if you give yourself a little bit of of what you need, whatever it is that you need, unashamedly, nicely, not aggressively, kindly, honoringly, explain that to other people in your life, you will be a better person. You will value yourself and other people will value you and what you can give them. In a greater way, stepping into 2021. And the last thing that I want to say on this note is just engender and develop the spirit of optimism. Please know the difference between optimism and positivity. Positivity is often denial of reality. Just be positive, be positive, be positive. You know, notice all the dolphins swimming in the canals of Venice or whatever it is that we were told to notice, which was true. And I'm not denigrating what's happened to the environment. But often, people would feel guilty about not being positive. I feel scared. I feel anxious. I feel sad. I feel stressed. I feel uncertain. Also has to be recognized. And that's nothing to do with optimism. Optimism means belief in the future. Optimism means seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, which is much more than the lights of an oncoming train. Optimism sees some of what you left behind looming in the future and something that is even brighter that you didn't recognize. And that spirit of mindful optimism, realistic optimism, is often also what helps us survive. I was fortunate to actually intimately know many people in the struggle here, some who were incarcerated on Robben Island. When I used to speak to Ahmed Kathrada, sometimes, he said, how did you do all of this under those conditions? And he said, "Dory, we were still fighting the struggle, but just from a different place. We knew we, were, we had to. There was the power of connection. There was the power of the cause. And there was the belief that it was going to happen. And so many people like now are saying, okay, we've seen the light. The vaccine is on the horizon. We've learned many things about priorities, about gratitude, about self-compassion, about the importance of connection, about resilience, about what is and isn't in our control. And we are going to mobilize those strengths. We're not going to let all of this go to waste and we're going to take them forward to make better lives for ourselves, for our relationships, for our families, for the world going forward. I wish you all a happy, Healthy, safe 2021. See you on Thrive with Dr. D next year. I'm Dorianne Wheel. Thanks for listening to Thrive with Dr. D, a Jackpot podcast.